Does the channel provide value? Focus on the foundation. I am a travel vlogger. It's always about communication. Build those partnerships. What are the problems that you solve for your clients? Just being ahead on the technological side of things. Leading an organization. You not only want to survive, but you want to thrive. They said it wouldn't last, and they said that you can't drive profitable and incremental revenue through the affiliate channel. But here we are, 20 years later, and the affiliate channel is alive and kicking and generating profitable revenue for thousands of retailers across the globe. Hi, I am Jamie Birch, your host of the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, where we talk to some of the industry's best and brightest about their careers, about leadership, and about how to drive profitable revenue through the affiliate channel. Hello, this is Jamie Birch with the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast. I'm your host today, and I am the CEO and founder of JEB Commerce, your award-winning affiliate management agency. And boy, do we have a special one for you today. I know I say that a lot, but man, we have some fun today. I have Karen Snyder joining me, longtime friend. We have been in the space together since the beginning back in the day. But hey, before I uh, give you a little more introduction over this episode, uh, you know, we cover a lot of strategies and stories on this podcast, and sometimes it can be difficult to keep up. So that's why my team and I compiled the very best strategies. We got 19 with a special 20th one uh, in there, bonus one on affiliate marketing programs. Now, we created that in the beginning of the COVID pandemic, and they were 19 strategies to survive and thrive in this current climate. But guess what? They work all the time. So you can go to jbcommerce.com slash strategies and pick up that guide. Don't miss out. It also includes videos walking you through every single strategy. So go to jbcommerce.com slash strategies for that free guide. Now, Karen and I have worked together since way back at Coldwater Creek and her time at School Pop. And today we talk a lot about all those things. We really dive into her 17 years or more of working remote and what it's like. Now, right now, there's a lot of new stuff going on. Uh, this podcast is being recorded in mid-June and businesses are looking at opening back up and opening their offices again. So working remotely and what that looks like is becoming an even more important discussion as employers look at, should we require people to come back? So Karen and I talk about what it's like, what the onus is on the employee's perspective, what what they own as far as what they should be doing uh, in order to make that a success. But also she shares a ton of great things about what C-level uh, leaders and managers should know about what it's like to work remote and what they should be doing. This stuff is really, really gold. And there's even a top five, maybe top seven, or 32 ways that you can make re working remotely successful. And then we dive into some affiliate marketing issues. So I really highly recommend you listen to this one through the end. You can tell we are having fun in spite of the technical issues that we have to over had to overcome today uh, and in the past to get this thing recorded. But really enjoy this conversation that I had with Karen Snyder. All right, this is Jamie with the Profitable Performance Marketing Podcast, and with me is longtime friend. <laughs> We're going to have some fun today. Here's What is up? We have recording. It looks like it's working. We are both uh, super hot in our offices right now, ready to go. How the hell are you, Karen? Oh, so great. So great. Great to see you again. You too. We totally should have talked and re or recorded our conversation about boys, boy bands, because like we said, everyone would want to listen to that. If you want to keep it professional and respectful. 
<laughs> that's that's true. Uh, well, how are you? Again, for maybe the third time I've asked this question today as we tried to make this work. How are you today? Things are great. You know, it sounds, you know, and I, we're heading we're, we're heading towards the, the end, I feel like, of pandemic where yeah. in California things are opening up. I forgot which year we're at, but we're able to go to restaurants and we can go see a movie. I think it's one yeah. movie, though, A Quiet Place, and I still haven't had a chance to see that yet. But, you haven't seen the first one? Oh, so good. Uh, no, I saw the first one. I haven't seen the second one. But there's no okay. traffic on the highways, which means people are out. Yeah, they are. Yeah, same here. Although North Idaho was a little different uh, than where you're at. Nothing really closed here. Uh, they asked us to put masks on and people showed up at City Hall. So uh, yeah. it was definitely different. But yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about this earlier. Um there's, this is so different. Like the, the hiring market is super tight. I was having a conversation yesterday with someone who will be on the podcast in, in a few weeks and they're now experiencing like their offices can open now, especially in California, their offices can open and people don't want to come back. And they're, they're in addition to having trouble finding people to fill open positions, them and others are having trouble getting their people to come back into the office at all. But guess what, Jamie? You and I have always worked from home. Do we really need yeah. to come back? Well, that's a really good question. And you know, when we made a commitment uh, to stay remote, because uh, we did have an office. And, and like you said, I worked remote for a really long time. But we did have an office, we closed that one in the pandemic, and we're going to stay that way through the end of 2021. But we're looking at it going, what are we missing that we, you know, we've been doing this, our work really well for a year, maybe a little over a year and haven't missed a beat. So why would we open an office? I think there's definitely some benefits though of having an office, you know, it's that one centralized location for employees to come together, have that social interaction, right. Um, yeah. That collaboration. That's so important. Um, it's funny. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine where we were talking about, um, Working from home, what's changed? What are we missing? What's been super fabulous, right? So obviously, yeah. you've got the pros. You've got, I don't have to drive, you know, or do this horrendous commute. The largest commute really is walking downstairs to getting my coffee. And if I don't have my coconut cream non-dairy situation, now I've got to ride <laughs> 10 minutes on my bike to the store. And back, yeah. right? But um, personally, I think the you know, I like the idea of a hybrid model. So I think you and I were talking earlier about you know some organizations, you know, of course they're having um, some some trouble, you know, bringing everyone back one hundred percent. You know, yeah. I think employees are realizing that they can get just as much work done, if not more, if they don't have to to if they have this horrible commute. If they don't have these distractions in the office place, but yeah. at the same time, you want that social interaction, that stimulation, that collaboration, right? It's that trouble of finding the balance, right? Cause yeah, I don't have a commute. I have the same commute as you. Uh, although if I don't have my coconut creamer thing figured out and on point, I, I will just drink it black. Uh, but 
Yeah. So how do you balance the culture? How do you balance keeping everyone together and united with the, the work from home? And and I have a bunch of questions to ask you because you've worked remotely for ever. I think the longest. Yeah, yeah. forever. forever. Uh, but tell us about your career. What What's your origin story? And then we're going to dive right into some of that remote work stuff. Oh, gosh. Where should I start? <laughs> I graduated from Santa Barbara from communications, thinking I was going to go into broadcast journalism. Uh, and this was like back in the 90s. And then that, I sort of lost my inspiration there. <laughs> when I realized, <laughs> oh, I have to interview people, I have to work. Um, but, you know, what was really interesting is, as I was kind of going through this decision-making process for, you know, what's my next step, a friend of mine what um, was in the, uh, they sort of, you know, it was in the internet.com age started, right? So then I fell into channel marketing and I started with um, the education, starting an education program for how do we get K through 12 schools on the internet. So people didn't wow. know about email. People didn't know about the World Wide Web. You know, they're like, what's WWW? So yeah. there you go. This is when this I This is around 95, right? Yeah, we don't have to name any dates. <laughs> well, <laughs> you were 14 um, getting your start yeah, after I was college. Like two or something like that. But, um, you know, this is, of course, when everyone is working in the office, there's no concept of working from home, right? Then you fast forward, and then somehow, you know, you fast forward into creating these really beautiful working relationships. So when I started working from home, which is probably, I don't know, like let's say it's in the year 2002 or three, I think this is when you and I first met during the school mm -hmm. park days when you were, yes. uh, you were with um, Coldwater Creek. I was. Coldwater Creek. Yeah. And, it was. and I have a, I have a artifact from that time period. Hold I on. I should have had it out. Where is it? I showed this to you before. That's right. This is the the I mean, uh, for outstanding contributions. I need you to take a photo of that. I'm going to send it to an old colleague of mine who was the one who hired me for School Pop, who we still keep in touch with. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know why I've kept this. <laughs> I don't know why. Probably says, <laughs> it probably says a whole lot about me, but I have – that thing is – I've hooked that around for almost 20 years. <laughs> I love that you have that. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. But, you it know, was a so good time. It was a great time. It was like internet.com era. It was the wild, wild west of affiliate marketing. and Nobody really knew what affiliate marketing was. I mean, that was like the B-free days when we were all It was, free. yeah. <laughs> yep. That and was like back in the day. Back in the super day. Exactly. <laughs> um and so, anyway, so I was asked to join School Pop because a friend of mine, Patrick, was like, I know you have this love for education, right? Um, and we really, it's always been about how do we promote education and their, at the time, their lack of technology in education. So it was all about, like, how do we help them with fundraising, technology, internet access, t teaching them about how to use um, all of this great technology, so that's sort of where I started. And then um, I think I might have taken a break um, in between that. And then I landed Incentive Networks with, again, my good friend Patrick, who's like, hey, I know you love affiliate marketing. Um, and we have this, um, I don't know if you are familiar with this website, eScript at the time. 
you know, uh-huh. they did yeah. um, online fundraising for schools or shop online and make it count. And I was like, that's yeah. my jam. I love school fundraising. And yeah, yeah. At marketing. So it was a match made in heaven. So um, with Incentive Networks, you know, with their with empowering and providing these loyalty platforms at the time, you know, it, I've sort of just stuck with this whole um, how can we always promote technology? How can we always improve these different types of programs in the space so that not only, I guess, from a business perspective that everyone's generating revenue, right? But everyone's really making it count in, you know, for what their own personal cause, for a business cause, or, you know, for, for whatever it is that they think they need. Everybody wants to shop online and earn something. Yeah. And this is the time frame, especially way back when with school pop, where it was really hard to work with schools, but why, why did, what's the educational thing? You're the only person, I have four kids. They've all been school. I've never heard anyone say, I love school fundraising. What's behind that? (laughs) Usually when it comes to, when it comes to fundraising, no one makes eye contact. Everyone looks away. What's it about education and school fundraising that has spoken to you for so long? I don't really, you know, I think it's just really hard. Education has always been important to me in promoting education. And I think, you know what, my mom was an educator, you know, for a public school in San Jose. And they were always, you know, in need of money, right? Then, you know, as we get, now that we're older, we're parents, and we we hear about teachers that are spending out of their own pocket for school supplies, so that their kids can have pencils or crayons, you know, just, you know, the basic tools for education. What maybe it's like, you know, they, they want to teach, take their kid, the students to the zoo, but they can't afford it. You know, I mean, these, these teachers, you know, sometimes they need help, I think. So for me, uh, yes, it's true. When people would see me at the school, they might turn in the other direction. However, (laughs) guess what, Jamie, it always works out. (laughs) I bet you got it done. We got it done. We did. You know, and it wasn't always just me, of course. You always work with a great team of people. But for me, I've always valued education, you know, just like I'm sure a lot of parents do also. But it's really about helping the schools and, and, and helping the community. So that's what I really enjoy. That's outstanding. And I think you were telling me you've worked essentially for the same person. Is that Patrick? Uh, for forever. Well, for on and off, I mean, mean, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the the company went through a couple of acquisitions and so there was a lot of changes, you know, um, and he is a really good friend of ours and, you know, and we have another friend named Mike, you know, who's a really good friend of ours also. And unfortunately, you know, through acquisitions and changes, you know, things, people change, uh, not people change, but like just the roles change and people move on. So I've been with the the company or the organization Incentive Networks, I think since 2000, has it been like over 20 years? I guess, yeah, on and off for over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Is that crazy? Wow. That is is fantastic. Now, I wanted to ask you about their leadership. You've been there for so long and, and worked remotely for so long. So there's these two areas that I really want to dive into. So what is it about the organization that's kept you there and kept you coming back um, in terms of culture or, or leadership? Um, you know what? The people at the company, it's always about the people, right? Um, that you really enjoy who you work with. I think that's really important. 
Um, yeah. It's what you're building and what you're creating also. So the clients and the relationships that have been created and fostered throughout the years, that's really important to me to the point where, you know, it's, I, I feel like I have, a, you know, of course, a, a personal attachment to ensuring the success of these client relationships. Um, you know, and then of course you've got affiliate marketing. It is literally the best channel on the planet. I love affiliate marketing so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love working with loyalty programs. I love knowing that, hey, I have that relationship, you know, on this loyalty program site. That's me. I'm helping someone put money back into their pocket. Yeah. And you can see a direct correlation between what you're doing and the help that you're you're able to provide. Yeah. The help. <laughs> Yeah, the help. <laughs> For those listening and not seeing, that's quote unquote help. Yes, those are uh, Yes. So, well, tell us and our listeners, give us the the high level. What is Incentive Networks? What do you guys do? How are you different? You know, what what is the elevator pitch? Well, the 10 second elevator pitch would be, you know, Incentive Networks is an organization that's actually part of a larger organization. So our parent company is uh, known as Tenarity. You know, we uh, were previously known as CX Loyalty, and um, this uh, this organization change and acquisition occurred in December of 2021. So it's pretty recent. So the focus with um, Tenarity as the loyalty provider is really about providing profitable loyalty programs, right? Acknowledging that every program is different. Um, some programs are about building value. For the customers, some are, you know, focused on providing um, uh, a revenue generating program while at the same time providing value. And it's really about finding a really great balance so that everyone has a win-win proposition, right? Um, and so with the Tenary organization, we have all of these different omni-channels of content, whether it's online, direct, um, credit card, you know, all of the different channels where you can gather and, and curate and procure this really beautiful content that's customized to um, the customer so that when you are uh, trying to work with your, your, your B2Bs, right, which really B2B2C, right, um, the, 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 end, the member or the consumer really sees the value in the content and keeps coming back for more. They, they understand that, you know what, when I'm shopping online, I'm making an account either for, an organ, like for, maybe it's for a charity organization, maybe it's for their own personal cause, you know, maybe it's, you know, it could be for whatever reason, but the idea is creating that engagement between the member and the loyalty program slash client. That's what it's about. Gotcha. And so from a consumer perspective, how do they interact with incentive networks? What's it look like for them? We're like the magic sauce, so they will never know who we are, but they might know who the client, they'll know the loyalty program with the client that we power, you know, so whether we have a financial institution or an airline that um, has a loyalty program, you know, the member will know that airline or that financial institution, but they will never know our name because these are all private labeled. Gotcha. So organizations like an airline or a bank or, or anyone, any organization can have their own loyalty program, their own loyalty mall, uh, and you guys power that. Yep. So, gotcha. Okay. That, that, 
that's easy to understand. Thank you. And so, uh, on your, your role, you're organizing all those deals and everything from, and your team from the perspective of working with the advertisers. So the airline doesn't have to do anything. Your, your customer essentially doesn't have to do any of that. Right. Our clients can focus on their core needs and services. You know, maybe it's travel, maybe it's a specific part about their loyalty programs and how they want to engage with their members. You know, incentive networks, we will focus on ensuring you've got the the right online content for your members to engage with. How it's marketed, that that's the fun part, right? And that's the part that a lot of our clients really enjoy promoting to their members so they can create these great marketing programs based on the content we give to them. And when you talk to me, what, what does content mean to you? And what, 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 when you provide content, is that offers or is it way more, you know, is it a much different animal than just that? Am I thinking too simplistic about it? No, I think it could be anything and everything, you know, but when I talk about incentive networks, you know, and or tenarity, you know, we're talking really about um, the, the, con, the, the promotions, the voucher codes, um, is there cash back involved or points back involved? Um, I don't think at this point it's necessarily about these blogs of, you know, hey, I want to hear about Mm -hmm. the, you know, what are the top 10, um, the top 10 uh, white trainers I should be thinking about, you know, Superga or on or, yeah, I don't think it's, you know, so for us, it's really, maybe that it could be like that later down the line, who knows, but, you know, we're really about like, providing and creating that value for the customer so they can feel like they're earning and they are receiving some really fabulous discounts online. Awesome. So the other area I kind of want to dive into is this working remote. Now things have, we talked a little bit earlier, things are changing kind of yet again, as things open, you've worked remote for maybe 17 years or so. Uh, What's been the, you know, what are the keys for working remote on your end, what what's what's worked really well for you? Oh, hold on, I wrote this down. Yes, <laughs> look at that coming oh, with yeah. notes. <laughs> oh yeah, you typed that out. That is a type. That's small font. That is spectacular. Well, it's only because you can't see it through the camera, you know. So okay, uh, here is what kept me, in my mind, successful working remotely. Uh, I think you need to have discipline, number one. Mm. <laughs> you have to be motivated to work. You can, I think it's really easy to say, oh, I think I'm just going to wake up at like 11 a.m., you know, and yeah. start working. Well, the problem with that is, is that if you've got international time zones that need to be addressed, you sort of need to start your day a little bit earlier, you know. Yeah, yeah. So like, I work internationally. Sometimes my day can start at 7 a.m., sometimes 6.30 a.m., Sometimes it ends at 11 p.m. or 1 a.m. in the morning. It really depends yeah. on when the meeting is done. So, you know, and how much needs to get done. But you have to have that discipline. You have to have that motivation to get stuff done, I would say. Um, I wrote down five things. Here are my top five things. And then I'm going to compare my yeah, list. All right. Okay. Okay. No, so, this is great. And for everyone paying attention at home, this is our first version of a top five list. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say my second, number two, the initiative to learn and meet new people. So working from home is, you know, you don't have access to 
to just people lounging around at the water cooler or getting coffee or being in the elevator, you know, that when you're at home. So you really have to pay attention and be open to saying, oh, who does, I've heard this name before. How do I reach out? Guess what? It's not a how do you reach out. You just reach out. Hi, my name is Karen. I heard your name and I wanted to find out what your role was and how we can work better together. Fantastic. So often we, when we are talking about this subject, we are always, I, I hear that the onus is on the employer. How does the employer make remote work? You bring up a really good point. It takes both of us, employer and employee, to make this work. And there's an onus on the on the team member. Right. To I be mean, real intentional. Well, guess what? I'm not going to just say, hey, uh, CE, my C- whoever is my CEO or my CFO, I'm not going to be like, hey, how's it going? My name's Karen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I think it's it's sort of like, you know, within your at, at my level, right? I would Yeah. Well, this is me personally. I would feel more comfortable. However, you know, um we'll talk about the C-suites at, you know, I have a little comment to make about that from like what should we think about, you know, when we are working for the people that do work from home. So the, Yeah, definitely. Right, the challenge is of course, you know, meeting people and seeing who's who and doing the pop-ins like, Hey, I think I've got this issue with, you know, I'm going to, with a partnership. How would you, um, how would, how would you, how would you talk to this one client, you know, about resolution, you know, so you just don't have that ask, but you've got to be able to reach out and say, hi, I'm in sales. I need to talk to a product person. Who can I talk to? Hi, I need a customer support person. You know, I heard that you're my guy or girl, right? So, yeah, yeah. So that would be number two, the initiative to learn new people. Yep. So number three, focus and time management. Ah, my favorite topic. I love that you have that on there. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about it because clearly I have a problem with focusing anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, But I think that, you know, just manage your time appropriately. Be considerate and respectful of other people's time zones and you know, give yourself permission to say no to meetings. Sometimes you just have to get open. So guess what? You can have, you know, your Monday, like say for example, you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, back-to-back meetings all day long, right? Well, you've made all of these commitments. What are you going to get the work done? Yeah. Right? So at some point, you've got to be able to manage your, your schedule and manage your time so that, you know, expectations are met. That's fantastic. Okay. I think number four, I wrote down curiosity. Find out about people and what their perspective on a project is that everyone is working on, right? Um, And this is where we talk about collaboration and really understanding that other person's point of view. It's a little bit more difficult, I think, um, when you don't have that face-to-face contact. I can't read your verbal cues, your nonverbal cues. Yeah. Right? So, and you want to understand, well, if you don't think it's going to work, well, why not? Right. So I live in it. I I work in the shoebox here. Right. And when I talk to myself for collaboration, I I hold up a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Do you really? I love that. Myself and I. (laughs) (laughs) That's my. I I may adopt that. (laughs) My family will wonder what the hell is going on, but I love the idea. Yeah. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think it's just important to always be curious, you know, otherwise, then you will never know how you can constantly enhance and improve 
your role to be and, and help your role be more uh, valuable to other people. If you're yeah. just in your own you know, right. So if you just work from home and nobody sees you, you really have to step outside of your box and uh, create an online presence for yourself. I think oh, I love that internally, yeah. not externally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, you need to create an online presence, but I can see how that's so important, especially with new employees uh, to be curious and create that online presence within their organization. I can see how important that can be. Yep. Um, and then, of course, number five, you got to have food in the fridge. <laughs> food in the fridge. I love it. Otherwise. Are we talking snacks or? It doesn't make all kinds of snacks. Just make sure you've got healthy munchies because, as you know, all we do is sit all day yeah. long. And, yeah. um, and if you don't have anything in the fridge to eat, then you start ordering out. Then you start you know, then seriously, this is where my uh, time management or focus starts to break down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, where's my charcuterie? <laughs> <laughs> I should not be eating charcuterie. But, you know, I think taking time out for personal health is really important. So just spend an hour, you know, getting on the Peloton, going for a walk with a dog, doing something that you're not looking at a screen because you have to reset. It's like, a, 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 I call it a self-care plan. Mm-hmm. of having that time to take care of yourself. It's interesting that you mentioned the food in the fridge. That was one of my major worries about uh, having the office at home was because the full kitchen is available. And mm-hmm. how in the world am I going to have the discipline not to just graze all day long? Uh, but it's super important. You got to keep fueled up, but also not you know, and the the idea of the screen thing, I think that's what people really underestimate how impactful it can be if you are if you're not disconnecting from it, you're working all the time. Right. You're literally on it all the time. And then you go sit in front of a TV screen and you're not getting any natural light. No, no you know, you're you can really work all day long. Right. So in your office, do you have a window? I do. I have two. Okay, so like I have a huge here. Let me show you my window right here. Check this out. Right on. We're getting a little tour. Slowly. Oh, this looks like a beautiful backyard. It's my backyard. But yeah, the I, I killer think, pool. I do have a pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first floor you got on the <laughs> That's that's the first uh, 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 performance marketing podcast cribs there we've had yet. Yeah, it's going to be a keeper. Um, you know, I think it's important to you, you just have to take a break from the screens. You, you got to see real movement of trees and hear some birds and, you know, just see water, hear water somewhere. There has to be a water element, I think. Yeah, I like that. Trees and water. Oh, yeah. You know, definitely all for that. Now, one of the things. We don't count. Yeah, the barking dogs don't count. And I actually removed my Great Dane. He's made it. She's made an appearance several times on this podcast. But so I was getting a little, yeah, huge, like house horses. How, how big is he? Like she's ninety. Our male, oh. our male's one eighty. Oh, okay, that's big. I have a lab that's. And our female's one sixty. Okay, yeah. They're enormous. They're those are horses. Yeah. So you know, on our prep call. Uh, you mentioned something I kind of wanted to to talk about a little bit that 
um, working remotely can kind of make you feel like you're separate from the industry. Can you tell me more about what you meant by that? I can, but I just realized we get to your top five. Oh, my top five for yeah. working remote. Yeah, okay. Uh, so put me on the spot. Uh, I would say you, one is a, a self-care plan. Like how are you taking care of yourself? Uh, diet, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual needs. How are you taking care of those things? Partly, I think it's really important because you, it is so easy to be separate. It is so easy to be isolated mm -hmm. uh, when you're working from home. Uh, the other, I agree with you on discipline. Um, I have the, what, what we do at JEB, what I do is we have a power hour and it's either Friday or Monday mm -hmm. where a couple of things we look at is the calendar our major projects we need to do. And we look and see, does our calendar jive with what we have to do? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, are you in meetings all week? Yeah. You know, like you said, how do you find that time? So for me, it's planning ahead, looking at what you have to do, then looking at your calendar. Does it jive at all? Because one of the great ways to, to be able to say no to meetings is to not have the time open. That's <laughs> so. a good point. Yes. You really do need to make sure you're on top of your calendar. Yes. Yeah. And I would say how you manage your email is a Ooh, big thing. Good one. Yep. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. Cause a lot of people will use that as their project management tool. And uh, so if you, if you ask like, really? yeah, wow. how many emails do you have in your inbox today, Karen? <laughs> it doesn't at JEB, <laughs> I will not answer that question. You know, at JEB, it should be zero at the end of the day. So trying to get to, you know, keeping it at inbox zero and doing something we call do, delete, delegate. So you, when you get an email, do you, you can delete it. You can do whatever you need to do with that email or you can delegate it and then or calendar it. So a lot of times I'll get something I can't do right now, but I need to do later. I'll put it on my calendar. So getting tight with that kind of management. Uh, well, I like important. that one. Do, delete or delegate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's three. Um, I would say... I liked your comment on being curious and reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that intentionality, like your, your work day is your work day. You get to own it mm -hmm. like for my employees. I don't own their work day. They get to own it. So are you being intentional with your day, with your work, with your career? Uh, or are you kind of letting everything kind of come at you? and just kind of reacting to everything. So I would say being intentional with your time. Yep. Uh, and if you, if you want to connect with people, then go be intentional about connecting. I love that, what you said. So I'm totally stealing a bunch of yours. I love it. Um, I've had time to think about this. You have, and I've, I've ha I didn't even think you'd turn that around on me. I love it. We're doing good. <laughs> and I would say have tough conversations. So if you're working from home, tension can build up between two people, supervisor and employee, uh, peer group, you know, peers. Um, and you can't often tell, you can't tell body language in a slack. Mm -hmm. You can't tell how they're carrying their face or tonality yep. in that. That's so true. Yeah. Getting really good at, at being okay with not confrontation, but uh, I recently had a conversation. Yeah. Open. I had a conversation with my neighbor. I thought he was upset with me. Mm -hmm. He was, and it was completely legitimate. And at the end we were totally cool, worked it out. Everything was great. And I think in our workplace, because we're not forced sometimes to deal with 
those interpersonal conflicts and, mm-hmm. and tensions because we can just say, well, I'm not going to talk to this person today. Well, not talking to this person today can lead to not talking to that person like again. And so I think um, if we're going to be continue to be working remote and you have to be able to have those tough conversations like, hey, we need to talk about this thing that happened or I'm getting the feeling like you don't want to work with me right now or this project is not working. Let's talk about it. So having those like transparent and vulnerable conversations, I think are really important to working from home. And that's my number five. Yep. I think those are, that's a good one because I'm going to add on to that. If I'm going to maybe yeah, please do. number six and, you know, I'm thinking about like open, transparent and authentic communication. Sometimes, you know, like we don't always have the ability to interpret an email, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Whenever we're, uh, we use, you know, we use Teams within our organization, sometimes, and sometimes we use Slack, but you don't always, I normally don't have a screen on. Even then, you can't always see the nonverbal cues. And I think it's really important to understand, you know, being a communications major, you know, of nonverbal and verbal cues. Sometimes, you have to pick up the phone and just say, hey, how did I offend you? Or why, how do we get to a resolution? Help me understand, you know, your perspective on this, you know? And then it's usually, okay, and if someone's just angry with you, just call it out. I leave my, I try to leave my ego at the door all the time. I hope people don't think I have an ego. Well, I think we all have an ego to some regard. Yeah. I want to add though a seventh. Because I'm going to build on what you just said. By the end of this podcast, we're going to have 48 things you should do as a remote worker. Yeah, is is anyone writing this down right now? No, but the seventh is if it's more than like a two-sentence email or maybe a six-word email, pick up the phone. Oh, my gosh. It's the same thing like with texting. If you're going to text me two times times back and they're more than one sentence, you better call me. Pick up the damn phone and call me. Yeah, and I'm going to replay this for me because I'm notorious for sending those text messages and probably those emails. Jamie, guess what? That's why I'm like, hey, Jamie, I called you, remember? I was like, what's going on? How's it yeah. happening there? Are we doing this? <laughs> well, we almost had to do that twice today. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it goes to, it kind of weaves that intentionality and the discipline and the transparent, authentic conversations into like a tactical thing. Like if you have to write this long email to respond about a thing, especially if there's like emotion behind it, oh, then yeah, yeah. make the call, make it on zoom, get, get let them see your face. And, and, uh, the thing that I, I hope I, n- I never do, and I may, I may be guilty of this is to send those more difficult conversations in something flat like a text or a email, I think those things need to be handled in a phone. You add a meme What's that? Add a meme at the end and give it some personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a Michael Scott kind of way to send difficult emails. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, it's sometimes. Uh, Picking up the phone and hearing someone's live voice makes a huge difference. You know, even if it's on Zoom, you know, it's okay. But I think what you and I are both saying, it's really that ability to communicate in a really authentic way with each other. Yeah, definitely. So I think we came up with 32 ways that you can effectively work from home. You know what? If I have more time, I could probably come up with another 50. Yeah. Well, it's, and that'd probably be one hell of a list too, but tell me, let's go back to my question before you put me on the hot seat. 
you you said that it's 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 easy to feel rem- or to separate from the industry mm-hmm. as a remote worker. T- talk to me about that. I think that one of the challenges of being a remote worker is the lack of collaboration that is so easily um, what's the word you, that we take for granted, right? Seeing yeah. people in the hallway, uh, you don't have that easy collaboration with, Hey, I am looking for um, some information. Maybe it's like a research thing that you're doing and you're like, Hey, uh, you happen to catch the, um, the person in the hall saying, do you have any information about this? I mean, of course you can easily just, you know, type it out, you know, and, and someone can respond to you if they're there. Sometimes they're not there, but I think what happens is, you know, you can ask for, you have a request. The person will just typically just give you the deck or fulfill the request, you know, online. However, when you're, you know, having a conversation over coffee, the question expands, the conversation expands to, Mm. oh, what are your intentions with the deck? Why are we providing this to them? Have you thought about this perspective? Have you thought about including this information, right? And sometimes it just doesn't come as easily or as intuitively, you know, as if, you know, you're just right there in person. You know, maybe you're talking about a project. There's a project that's coming up. You know, you, you there needs to be a team of five people. It's really hard to have five people on a team's call, right? Yeah. And and talk through the user requirements or the stories or, you know, whatever it is. You can't have people talking over each other. It makes it hard. Yeah, I found that anything more than three on a Zoom starts to become ineffective. Or when uh, someone has a bad connection that you really need to connect with them, right? But either that person or yourself just has some crap connection with the microphone. And you're just kind of like, okay, I think I'm just going to call you, but that's going to cut someone else out or the other people on the team out. So then there's no collaboration. Then you're just hosed. Definitely, definitely. I can see how that happens. Now, you know, one of the, you've really got a good handle on for, for me and, you know, your perspective as an employee working remote, but what would you say to the managers, the CEOs that are now trying to figure out how to do this? What, what should they know? What should they hear from uh, a remote employee? Um, you know, that, that you would want them um, to know what, what I I see. (laughs) All right. Another list. Let's do this. Top five. See, this is one of the greatest things about this podcast is I get to ask questions I really want to know. And this is what we're working through right now is, okay. is our culture is different from when it was in an office. So Everything is so different, you know? Yeah, talk um, to me. The way that people communicate are so different. Even when I was working from home, you know, and people were still in an office. I mean, the whole method of communication is is more different. And, and so... Uh, so let's see, uh, what would I want my C-suite management team to know? Okay. So just kind of going back to the first question, I think this might be something really interesting. So part of the whole thing about working from home, um, is that you don't have the opportunity to, um, just sort of engage with your CEO or CFO, 
or whoever your C-suite team member is, right? Um, By that, I mean like when you're walking up the stairs and they're walking down the stairs, there's no friendly hello. There's no putting a face to the name, right? There's no, hey, I'm standing in line, you know, to get a sandwich, you know, at the, you know, at, at the lunch area and, oh, I'm looking over and I'm like, oh, hello, how are you? You know? Yeah, there's yeah. none of that. So there's no way to, to really build any type of relationship with um, an executive at that level. And I think for me, when I was uh, working in an environment where I did have to go into the office, I personally really appreciated being able to talk to our CIO or our CTO or our CFO at the time, mainly because I'd catch them in the, uh, the elevator. Hey, how's it going? What, you know, how are you doing? Oh, great. How are you doing? So at least, you know, when your name was brought up, they, you, there's a face to the name they can put through, right? So I think that, you know, as we um, want, you know, the companies to understand, you know, here are some of the things that maybe we should consider, you know, would, you know, to, to help those people that still do work from home would be to maintain whatever one-on-ones, right, that they would have either on a weekly basis a monthly basis, a quarterly basis. So whether it's all hands meeting at the sea level, you know, maybe with your direct reports, right? Maintain the one-on-ones. I appreciate the one-on-ones I have with my manager um, just because that's um, a great time to talk about all the things that I'm working on. I get a different perspective on the things that he has visibility into with what I'm doing, but you know, he's like, well, have you thought about doing this? Or have you thought about doing that? Or please call this person because they're working on something similar and you need to know about this. Right. So those one-on-ones are super valuable. Um, We talked about the all hands meetings with uh, the C-level people. Maybe it's just, you know, like, because you are, you know, you're, you're jet, right. You're J E B. So, Maybe you just sort of pick two random meetings with maybe three to four people, lunch sessions, you know, or coffee talks with four people and just say, hey, I know who you are. I sort of know what you're working on. I just wanted to reach out and and just have like a 15-minute chat, you know. Nothing to put them on the spot about, but it's really about building a relationship. Yeah, I love that. And that visibility. And I think that when – when you're able to have discussions with upper management, right? You feel connected. You feel on so many different levels. Mm. You feel inspired, right? So, um, so I think having that type of engagement is really important for your for someone for any organization's remote workers, even if they're doing a hybrid situation, right? Um, something that I thought would be super fun is. Um, and my, my husband's company does this. And I think a lot of companies do this too, but creating a virtual team event, um, whether it's on teams or zoom or whatever, where you have something fun, like a whiskey tasting, you know? So you have, um, and it could be like a wine tasting. Maybe it's like a, like you have to, um, maybe it's like a food or a cooking contest of some type where you have like a small, like maybe it's 10 people, you know, within the same organization. So, um, my husband's company, they had this really great whiskey tasting where they had um, uh, a couple of different whiskey labels uh, mailed to all of their employees. And then they had the 
would you call this the whiskey some sommelier 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 yeah thank you i can never pronounce that word but you know what i mean but the whiskey expert saying hey we're gonna talk you know we're gonna do this one and then it would all be everyone has a camera on and they're all like you know drinking or whatever hearing the stories and pairing it with whatever was in the box right and i was like wow what a great way to do something virtual safe and super fun what a great team building experience yeah you know so i'd probably probably say creating that type of vibe with some of those remote workers um and then i talked a little bit about you know with um your the executives it's really about creating you know with the, you've got the all hands meeting or maybe you have like these 15 minute chat sessions with you know the the, the people that you remotely handpick right every week yeah. or every month but really what the idea is it's about creating these very small um group exposures to people like you right jamie so mm-hmm. you're ceo you're the owner gm you know and everybody wants a piece of you so sometimes you get a piece of you in the elevator sometimes you get a piece of you you know waiting in line at lunch how do we create yeah. these these, what we would consider insignificant events, right? To just kind of create this relationship or engagement with the wider teams. Love that. And then of course, you know, for the people, you know, I think we should all have like a travel situation where everyone just goes to the Bahamas. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a lot of this is uh, some personal time. We don't, we don't have water cooler talk. We don't have, um, impromptu collisions Mm -hmm. like we used to and being intentional with those collisions and then also shared experiences. Like how do you build relationship with people, whoever they are, whoever they are, it's shared experiences. So that travel definitely, you know, is one of those too. Yeah. It's really about creating situations and experiences with those remote workers that allow them to feel super connected and engaged Um, because everyone always, we all have the same goals, but it's about recharging those batteries, right? Knowing that when I see my CEO, you know, when I see my manager, I'm like, I feel like I'm doing something super valuable. You know, I feel like I'm a valued employee and I appreciate that feeling. That's awesome. I'm sure you do that all the time. So, wait, wait for for uh, J E B Jeb J E B. Yeah. <laughs> J E B J E B. Yeah. How like what are you and your management teams like? How how are you guys creating this environment of engagement with your wider teams? Yeah, it's a really good question. Thank you for asking. Um, we've instituted a couple things. One is open office hours. So try to create these small group exposures. So where, uh, my director of affiliate marketing and myself make us, uh, make ourselves available to ask anything. So come join the meeting. You have a problem you want to work through. Um, a lot of times it's towards the end of the day, someone will just bring a drink and sit and chat with us together. Uh, yeah. yeah, And and that's, that's fantastic. We do two standups a week. And those standups are real intentional. We started them out as like, hey, we're going to have a 15-minute standup twice a week mm-hmm. with no agenda and no no rhyme or reason or goal to it. 
and those were hollow and and shallow and they really didn't uh people began to dread them so now we have them scheduled out where different teams get to bring an obstacle or a challenge mm -hmm that they want the whole company to help with. Uh, and then some of our leadership will, they have their own uh, standup. Uh, they own a standup and they'll bring a, a short training snippet for 15 minutes. And then I do a sort of a state of the company for 15 minutes uh, in, in one of those standups. So we have the standups, uh, we have a team meeting that we have, and then we have every other Friday, a happy hour, which like you're talking about mm -hmm. a whiskey tasting and stuff like that. A lot of times we'll, I think, Half the time, uh, we get a kit, a drink kit sent to us, mm -hmm. and we all get to try a new and unique drink together. I love that. That and is the other, fantastic. Yep. Yeah, exactly. The other, the other we bring our own. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what we found, going back to the like anyone, any more than three people on a Zoom, it can, can be not effective or ineffective. Um, we break out those happy hours. So we've spent five minutes, all of us together, and then we break it out in the groups of two to four okay, uh, or three, three to four. And then we enjoy our happy hour that way. Uh, and then the other, you know, the core of sort of that cultural element and keeping people connected is our employee development process. Mm -hmm. So uh, every employee has a development meeting once a week. And sometimes we talk about real technical aspects of their job and task oriented other it's it's uh where do they want to go where are they trying to get to and how do we provide the experiences and exposure to get them there you know as quickly as as we can and so that is one of the ways and in covid while we were scrambling to to make sure things move forward it's one of the areas that we actually dropped uh and not realizing that we did that we had to really push hard to bring back and be real intentional about making sure that everyone has that time with their mentor or their manager uh okay. talking through how they're doing what obstacles they're finding with clients what blind spots they may have uh and generally how to improve and it helps us as leaders stay connected with what's going on there so those are are some of the things we're planning uh we've done a virtual retreat uh with oh. our team Okay. And what was that like? we are now that that was great. You know, there's some lessons to, to be learned there. One uh, was we just didn't have that whole shared experience aspect, mm -hmm. you know, going to a conference, which you and I haven't had the opportunity to do in a long time, really long time. going to a yeah. conference. There's so much there as a shared experience. So we, on our next one, we're going to incorporate and, and have it more shared experiences than lectures, presentations, learnings type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because as the team is remote, that those having shared experiences build those relationships. Um, but we had, it was a two day event that, that, that can be a little long uh, to sit and uh, listen to presentations. Uh, but overall, I think it was effective. Uh, it was uh, sort of our, we're coming out of this pandemic. Where do we go from here? Uh, who are we kind of uh, summit? And it worked. I thought it worked uh, really well. Uh, the next one we're going to try to do in person because now we've, one thing the pandemic taught us is working remotely is totally a possibility and can be done really, really well. So we've hired people from all over the country. So getting all of them to come and have these shared experiences and spend time face to face now that it's a lot safer to do so, I'm really, really looking forward to. But I've even learned a couple things that uh, one of the things we did prior to COVID was uh, an AMA, uh, one uh, with different levels of the company. So I will host uh, an AMA lunch with maybe our entry level employees and we go out, we grab something to eat and it's, there's no agenda. 
you ask me whatever you want, or we'll talk about football or, uh, you know, the Sixers or something, you know, the whole time it, it, it doesn't matter. And then I do that at different levels as the CEO. Uh, and we'll, now that we can actually go out to lunch, we'll be doing that as, as well. So those are some of the things that we've tried and kind of getting back to. That's awesome. What is an AMA? Ask me anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, but what a great way to connect with, you know, your employees and the organization because it's it's a two way street, right? It's sort of like you've got your, yeah. you know um, your your leadership and your executive team. You know, I mean, everyone's busy, right? And I know that yeah. there's like so much. You know, it's a different level. I know of busyness. Yeah, and that's the thing. We can get so busy, especially in our space, right? Mm-hmm. Are you ever done with your job at the end of the day? I like, there's now. yeah, I'm still thinking about stuff at night. I've got to write stuff down. You know, all my all my different ideas. We have this um, this thing that we are always super busy, but we're not making that intentionality to have those different things. And we can make a lot of excuses, leadership down, mm-hmm. saying, well, everyone's really busy. Adding another meeting is not going to help. And we can make excuses up. Like, I know they're busy trying to keep things moving forward, and I'm really busy. I don't need another lunch meeting or another thing like that. But it's those, my, my coach calls them glass balls. Is those glass Ooh. balls that you can't drop. Because they break. Now, rubber balls will bounce. So this task or this task, we'll let that bounce for a while. But I have to go make a connection with my teammates, with my employees, with my uh, supervisor and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's really been a, a, a key. That's been one of the reasons we've been able to get through the last 18 months uh, so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So one of the things you talked about is the struggle to balance out your organization's priorities with your partner's priorities, especially within the affiliate marketing. We have as affiliate managers and working in this space, we have multiple kind of customers, multiple clients. We have the company we work at, we have the clients we work with, we have the affiliates that work with those clients. You guys are very similar. So talk to me about the struggle of um, you know, managing those different priorities. At the end of the day, I think, you know, how do we balance out the priorities is we've got to, re- okay, so this is what I'm going to say. Um, how we balance out our partner's priorities with our company's initiatives is you've got to really understand what our internal company's um, level of support can actually support and what can we plan for. So mm. I would never say no, but I would just say, let me check on that because maybe it's somewhere in the pipeline and I'm just not aware of it, which goes back to the collaboration you need, you know, with being yeah. an, an online worker, you've got to know who to talk to. If you don't know who to talk to, forget it. You, you can't even do your job well. So um, I think that as long as you are an authentic and honest communicator, um, that would probably be the best way to balance out those discussions with the partners. Gotcha. And what do you think the common mistakes advertisers make when running their programs? So you see it from a pretty unique perspective. What are some of the common mistakes that they make? I want to say, I mean, I think this is just, it's really just basic things like attention to detail. You know, my name is Karen, not Kathy. (laughs) I hope you're not referencing an email I've sent you in the past. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. But, you know, I I just think it's attention to detail to, to how the program is being run, number one. So, for example, uh, we will have, you know, with pandemic. Right. You've got uh, approval. The, 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 the time to approve a transaction is changed because the return period 
with the merchant changes. It gets extended. Yeah. Maybe it was like a 30-day return policy, but they had extended to 60 days, right? Well, then you start following this line of path where they're like, well, we're not going to, you know, we will approve, pay, approve, lock, and then pay. And then you go through the, uh, the transaction queries, the support, customer support issues where we had a merchant that said something like, well, we're not going to accept um, any transaction queries um, 30 days after the transaction was made. And so you have to go back and you have to say, well, wait a minute, your return policy is 60 days. So yeah. why, how, if this is going to impact the member experience and then we can't really support this transaction. So think about, just think about that timeline at least. So really about the program management, pay attention to your program, pay attention to the timelines, pay attention to um, maybe like how much you're paying for a campaign and make sure you're not creating duplicate payments. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just little administrative things like that. Um, so I would say just pay attention to the administrative pieces of the program and make sure it all makes sense, uh, number one. And then number two, remember that relationships are, cannot be automated. You always need to talk to somebody. Preach on. Right? And it's all about the relationship. So don't yeah. don't discredit or undermine the, uh, the value of speaking to a real person. I can't always – whenever I uh, – want to participate with the program, of course, it's always great when you get that automatic approval or that automatic decline, right? That's yeah, fine. Yeah. But I will always want to reach out and say, hi, my name is Karen. I just joined yep. the program. Tell me more. You know, this is what we want to do. Yeah. And, and that alignment is part of building a strong relationship. If you value your partners, you're going to look at that timeline uh, not not just the payments when things lock, but also how are your how's your your settings impacting their performance, uh, and making sure when things change as they did so often in the last year, like it's yes. probably been the best uh, area for us to practice. You know, adapting to new and unique crazy crap every two weeks yep. uh, was this year. Yeah, uh, make true. sure those things are aligned because if you, it, it is. We talk about it a ton. Every podcast episode we talk about this is it is about relationships. But if you don't show the care and the uh, uh, that alignment and the de attention to those details, you burn relationships. On the other end is a Karen who has worked with. And and has the alt, the opportunities to work with not only your competitors but other people she can work with to generate revenue for her clients. And if you're not taking that care, then you won't pick up the phone. That's that's a really good point too. That's right. I mean, I will never be offended, but I'll just remember. I'm kidding. <laughs> I will remember. I've told this story a number of times on the podcast, but there are still affiliates. And I had to make a decision at Coldwater Creek yeah, mm -hmm. 20 years ago. And they still don't like me. Now, mm -hmm. fortunately, they like my team, but they wouldn't work with me because of a decision made and a, a mistake on my part 20 years ago. So affiliates have a really long memory as well. Oof, oof. Yeah. Oh, and here's number three. Can you please pay your invoices on time? Ah, you know, tell me like outside of the obvious. Yes. Just explain a little more why that's so important. Uh, well, we have obligations to our client 
to ensure that whatever commissions are earned are also passed back through to the client. So um, we need to make sure that not only as my organization is paid appropriately, I'd like to pay my client appropriately, right? Um, part of the payment process also from an operational perspective means that I'm closing transactions and um, showing status of, you know, of awarding to the members also at the same time. There's all these different rules in place. So it's going to be different for all types of members. But typically when I receive a payment in a payment file, I can close a transaction and I can be done. We can move on to the next set of mm -hmm. transactions that come through. But when I'm not paid on time, I can't, I can't pay my clients on time. And people get upset about that. They really yeah. do, you know? So it would be super helpful. I know stuff happens all the time. Just respond to my emails. Don't, I'm not, you know, just because I'm the, the school fundraiser lady, you don't need to walk <laughs> away from me. Don't avoid me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is now contractual obligation for payment. So I'm expecting yeah. that to be honored. <laughs> yeah. Simple. Honor, honor your agreement. That's all. This isn't a donation. But it's interesting to see, you know, a lot of times, and, and we deal with clients, um, and they don't necessarily have that insight into what that's like for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I would assume that's very stressful. It creates more work for you as now your uh, clients are asking, when are we going to get paid? Uh, or you guys have to lay that cash out without getting um, uh, reimbursed or waiting on that. I know as a small business, any delays in invoicing uh, uh, can be uh, very difficult. And so for you guys too, it creates a ton of work for you. Again, kind of tarnishing the relationship that you have. Yeah. Uh, and so some of those things, I love how you brought up the administration side of this. That hasn't been talked about on the podcast yet. Oh, okay. Of how it is from your perspective, like those simple things, it alignment. It's so much easier. Uh, just a Definitely. smooth program to run. I mean, what have you seen on your side, you know, that, you know, you would want to say to the advertisers that you manage, how can, like, those are the things I would say, this is how you can make things easier for the publisher. You know, what are the things yeah. that your account managers are telling them, do you think? Well, as far as, you know, mistakes advertisers make or what would make it easier in general? I guess a little bit of both, you know? I think the main the main mistake I think advertisers make is by categorizing their affiliates and painting this category with one brush and this category with one brush. And what they, what they miss is what's the result that they're getting with Ooh. that, okay. uh, with that advertising. That okay. Yeah. That's a yeah. Point. So there, there are very common misconceptions of what loyalty sites bring to the table and don't. There are misconceptions, what coupon sites bring to the table and don't. And there's misconceptions of what content and niche publishers bring. And it's, it's, easy to do data analysis and roll it up into categories and say, this category is working well, this category isn't, but you can have one bad affiliate in a category and now the whole category looks good. So I, I think the way that we manage things is we try to take those labels away. We use them at times when it's necessary, but we try to take those away and say, this affiliate, what is, what are they driving? Mm -hmm. What's the impact that they're providing? Okay. And how are they doing that? But the how are they doing that and what their name is and what category is comes after, are they driving what we need? Mm -hmm. So if I'm managing something and I need new customers, are they driving it? Yes or no? It's a simple, unemotional answer. So I, uh, the mistake is they're not looking at the data and they're, mm -hmm. they're making an uh, uh, emotional decision 
on who they should work with based on what they think the category does and mm-hmm. doesn't do with very little empirical data to back that up. Um, and then as far as the relationship uh, with publishers, I think is is not understanding many of the, the C-level people we work with mm-hmm. uh, have come up through either a finance uh, or um, uh, other digital marketing channels. And they think all the channels work that way. Mm-hmm. So all channels are like display, put an ad, pull a lever, change how you're pulling those levers and things work. And there is a huge element of relationship building in here. So if you are late consistently on your invoices to affiliates, and then you need a bump for Father's Day weekend, right. and you're trying to get some exposure, they don't know why they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. That's a good point you have to take care of those people who are going to take care of you. And that's, that's primarily a a big service of what we provide. So they don't have to worry about that. We'll take care of them. But you know, and those little things like that's, it's such a great thing for you to bring up those little administrative details. And then uh, a podcast we published last week, you know, not asking the question, if I were an affiliate publisher, Mm -hmm. would I be okay with this decision? What would I want? Mm -hmm. And that's probably what would really help a lot of affiliate managers uh, and a lot of advertisers make decisions that impact their bottom line through the affiliate channel much better uh, because they often don't think of that. Yeah, I mean, I would probably say, you know, the question, the, the big question is, how do you define success? So if you want to make sure that you've got yeah. quality publishers in your program, well, how are you defining success? Well, how do you define success? And is there alignment there? Yeah. It's kind of an easy question, yeah. you know, but yeah. Um, as I think about, you know, like I know I talked a little bit about the program management and administrative side. This is what makes things much easier for publishers, you know, and some of the mistakes and the administrative mistakes that occur. You know, like if I take it up a higher level, I would probably say just maybe not always valuing is that value, valuing the affiliate channel in and of itself. There's always that age-old philosophy, right, or debate of, why should I have to pay for an affiliate sale when they're going to come to me anyways? Well, that's not always what it's about. It's about, you know, supporting, you know, your, your partners, loyalty programs, right. Mm -hmm. Who are supporting you in turn, um, in creating this value, um, this, uh, this co-value, right. Because you're doing it together back to the, the member. Yeah. I love that. Why, you know, what are you just trying to get out of it? And, uh, and then you know, like, sometimes it's just supporting your audience. Like that's where they want to go. And if they're, you're not there, they'll go somewhere else. It's very easy to make another de- purchasing decision, uh, in a, in another direction and you not get the nod. Um, Karen, I have enjoyed this so much. Uh, this has been a great, uh, a great episode and I'm glad we were able to, in spite of the universe conspiring against you and I on multiple occasions, including several times today, we were able to record this. And this has been fantastic. Now, if anyone wants to reach out to you to get involved with Incentive Networks as an advertiser uh, or even uh, 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 in any other capacity, what's the best way that they can follow you or contact you? They could probably just find me on LinkedIn or they can send me an email to my Incentive Networks address at karen.snyder at incentivenetworks.com. 
Awesome. Well, Karen, thank you so much. I'll include that in the show notes uh, so that they can get a hold of you. I appreciate it. It was a really enjoyable and insightful uh, conversation. I've got two pages of notes right? uh, from that. And I think any leader or CEO has a lot. I love you got two pages of notes as well. Actually, you came three. here with those. Three. three. Outstanding. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you so much. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Jamie. Really appreciate the time with you. Now, I think you can tell that Karen and I had a lot of fun recording this episode for you today. Karen, thank you so much. It has been so great to reconnect uh, after all these years and to have uh, this conversation. I learned a ton and I really did take two pages of notes about some of the things that you shared. It was really good to hear what the C-level executives, what managers should hear from their employees about working remote. And I know I'm going to go back and kind of evaluate my performance at our company on those things as well. There's a few things that I'm going to be adding. But we talked about such a wide range uh, of subjects and uh, really want you to dive into some of those things, what it's like, uh, you know, that, that topic of authenticity, and transparency and communication, the discipline it takes to run a company that's remote, uh, to build a culture that's remote, but also to work in one that's remote. So go back and revisit those early conversation we had about the discipline. We're gonna include that top five that Karen shared. We're gonna include the other two that we created there on the fly uh, in our show notes. So please go there and definitely reach out to Karen on LinkedIn. We'll include the link in our show notes as well. If you want to get involved with Incentive Networks or follow or chat with her about anything we chatted about today. So Karen, again, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of our conversation. I can't wait till we can uh, share a coffee or a drink at the next uh, Affiliate Summit or other event. Now, like I said in the top of the show, Uh, We cover so many different things in this uh, podcast, especially like today for the first time, talked about the importance of administration, keeping things aligned and and making sure you are locked down on your administration. Those types of things like the uh, returns and uh, order queries and those types of things, keeping those unlocked. So we cover a ton of stuff on this podcast. And that's why we put together uh, a guide outlining 19 strategies that you can use to survive in the current climate. We wrote that at the beginning of COVID to help you get through, but they're all relevant right now. You can go to jbcommerce.com strategies to download your free guide. Definitely do that. But there's other ways you can get help right now. You can email us at gethelp at jebcommerce.com and we will uh, help you with whatever you need. You can also go to calendly.com slash Jamie Birch and you can set up time with me uh, to talk about your affiliate program, your digital marketing or any of the problems that you need help with. So definitely use those resources. Now, if you uh, found this podcast useful, take a moment right now, share it with a friend, share it on Facebook. And I would really appreciate a review on Apple, uh, Apple podcast, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, and whatever podcast app you are using. Let us know uh, if this was useful. If you'd like to be a guest, you can also email us at gethelp at jbcommerce.com. We'd love to get you on there. And a special shout out to my producer, Shane. Thank you so much for continuing to uh, put all these things together and, and edit things as needed. Really appreciate your hard work. Uh, and you know, special shout out to you, buddy. 